As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him and love him. Is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're recording this, of course, Monday evening for the our listeners' pleasure for Tuesday, but on Monday was the sad uh, coming together for Pat Boland's funeral in Denver, which saw few owners and league moguls arrive to pay their respects. Yeah, and a lot of current and former Broncos coaches, Vic Fangio was there, Gary Kubiak was there, Peyton Manning was there, the mayor was there. Um, as sad of an occasion as it was, the way the Broncos have handled this and the way the fam- the Bowen family has handled this has just been magnificent. And it was a nice send-off for Pat, and um, it was befitting for what he he was as a person. And you know his ashes will be scattered now over the next coming days. So it's uh, it was nice to see everyone come together and support and that Denver community you know brought together still by Pat Bowen even in the afterlife. What are your thoughts on ashes? So. If, you know, let's say 60 years from now and, and Zach Kelberman parts to the, the next plane, do you 60. want... Well, whatever, you know, <laughs> I'm just using numbers here. But what... Uh, do you have anything against being being cremated or would you want to be buried? I haven't really thought about that. Um, I don't know yet. I don't have a problem against cremation. I've had some family members who were cremated and I like the idea of, I guess... Uh, you know, Scattering going back to us. Yeah, I like that. I'd yeah. rather my family kind of have me, though, right. even though I hope I don't have to worry about this for, you know, 60 years, like <laughs> you said. So we'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Yeah. Well, heck, the average life uh, expectancy of, of American male now, I know it's in the low 70s, if I'm not mistaken. So who knows? We'll see. TikTok. We'll see. But hey, Pat Bolin, listen, you know, we are just beginning the process of honoring this man's life and contribution as, as the Denver Broncos owner for 35 years. The Hall of Fame game is just a little over a month away, and then his induction, of course, into the Hall of Fame. He'll get honored during the season. It's going to be great to kind of just relive the, the Pat Bowen moments as we march through 2019. 
Yeah, and you know, based on the way everything else was handled and planned by the Broncos and the Bolin family, uh, the induction ceremony is going to be magnificent, and I'm sure the game itself, for a preseason game, and especially for uh, the Hall of Fame game, which is just a title game only, there's not much action that goes on, but it's going to be emotionally charged for the Broncos. They're going to have some extra oomph behind this for Pat, uh, the first game without him, so I'm looking forward to it, as sad as it is. I'm sure the Broncos will you know, handle it well. Today, we are going to deep dive on one of the Denver Broncos' few pro bowlers from last season, Philip Lindsay. But first, we got to take a second to remind you of some quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That is the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on YouTube, keep doing what you're doing. You guys are awesome. Subscribe, like, comment. That helps each and every video or podcast episode. And if you're on iTunes, you guys, we really appreciate it, if you haven't done so, to leave a creative review and a five-star rating on the Huddle Up podcast. All right, so. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Zach and I, of course, here we are literally in knee-deep in the dead time on the NFL calendar. No NFL news, no Bronco news to break down for you and analyze. And there's only so far we can go in terms of projecting ahead, looking at the roster, training camp battles. We're going to get to that during this this dead period, but we want to wait till we're a little bit closer to training camp. And so what we're going to talk about today is we're actually going to go back and kind of rewind a little bit and analyze and appreciate the historic contribution from one Philip Lindsay from last season. And it was a whirlwind, absolutely just breakout campaign for Philip Lindsay. And I know right now, Zach, he is super, you know, he's been sidelined, of course, with the wrist. And he is super just chomping at the bit to return and prove to all the doubters out there that last year was not a fluke. And we're going to talk about his 10 most impressive feats from last season, many of which were historic, whether it be from a team perspective or a league perspective. But do you think, you know, there's this, before we dive into this, Zach, there's this this notion that there's a kind of confirmation bias in the NFL. Chris Harris talks a lot about this publicly, that, you know, if you went undrafted, NFL teams, NFL players, coaches, scouting departments, they're just waiting for you to to basically fall on your face or, or slip up so that they can all justify the fact that, oh, yeah, that we knew there was a reason why you didn't go drafted. And this is the same thing with Philip Lindsay, I think, as a motivation that he's trying to say, look, I, I made a Pro Bowl. I set all these records, which we're going to talk about today, and I'm just getting started. Yeah, you know, I don't even care about the Pro Bowl so much. It was a great honor for him, for sure, and it was historic. But what I saw on the field are things you can't teach and things that aren't just flashes in the pan. His raw game-breaking ability was consistent week in and week out. And you consider he did all that and made all those plays with what supporting cast around him, especially when uh, Demarius Thomas went traded and and DT and uh, excuse me, Emmanuel Sanders went down. A bad offensive line, bad coaching staff, bad quarterback, he still made plays every single week. And if the only thing that slowed him down was a bad wrist injury, I think that's a good position for him to be in. It adds even more you know, to his plate. And he's not the type where he made it one year and he's just going to rest on those laurels. No, he even, he's talked about it multiple times this offseason. 
the NFL stands for not for long. You have to prove every single day you deserve your job. And the best thing that could have happened to him was having someone like Royce Freeman behind him pushing him. It makes him – he can't rest at all. Coming off that injury, uh, coming off that undrafted, uh, like you brought up, you know, whether it's a one-year wonder and having a guy nip at his heels who's as talented as Royce Freeman with that draft status, um, all those things are going to push him into a player that's going to be consistent, health-willing. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal what he was able to accomplish as a rookie. And let's, let's start with the first thing here. Now, obviously, if you're looking at – we'll kind of do it in chronological order in terms of each achievement that he unlocked, so to speak. And the first one, Zach, was no small feat, and that was making the Broncos' 53-man roster out of training camp. Now, by the time the Broncos got to the preseason, it was pretty evident that he was bound for the roster. I mean, he was just such a dynamic flashy playmaker and just so gritty playing on special teams as well and just making himself available in every which way for the Denver Broncos and succeeding but what was particularly I think a triumphant moment for him was you got to remember back during and we learned this through his interviews with Peter King and all that toward the end of the season and he's done a lot more press during the offseason to kind of elucidate some of this this same topic matter but during the draft he was in communication with the Broncos, and the Broncos were telling him, hold tight, man, hold tight. He gets to the fifth round, super disappointed he hasn't gone yet. He sees all the running backs that have been taken, and he knows in his heart of hearts he's better than the vast majority of these guys. Meanwhile, the Broncos are telling him, Zach, don't worry, we're going to take you. Don't worry, gets to the sixth round. And they're, they've basically told him that in the sixth or seventh round, you're our guy. Seventh round rolls around, and after the Broncos had just taken Keyshawn Bieria in round six, he's thinking, okay, when they go on the clock here, it's me. But it wasn't. It was David Williams, which really pissed him off and was one of the predominant reasons why he resisted originally signing with the Broncos, was going to sign with the Ravens. But his mother, of course, convinced him to stay home and sign with the Broncos. And the reason I go on that tangent is because him making the 53-man roster meant he had to beat out David Williams, and that's exactly what he did. Williams was waived, re-signed to the practice squad, and then scalped by, I think it was, Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, the, the talent levels weren't even close. And to starting out you know, on this list at this point, to make the 53 is one thing, but to start out, he was the sixth running back on the depth chart when the, you know, the preseason rosters came out. Yep. He worked his way up the entire length. He passed up Royce Freeman, Devontae Booker, and then the other players like David Williams who were inferior talents but still ahead of him. I'm sure in all of that, passing up five running backs, Williams felt the best because um, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, they should have made Lindsey – at least that seventh round pick, yep. but it worked out the way it worked out. And, and he, you know, all you need is an opportunity. He got it. And you know, the rest is history. And for what it's worth, it was a bittersweet moment for Philip Lindsay because he had become close friends with both Royce Freeman and David Williams throughout that spring and summer. So, you know, it was a triumph for him to make it. And unfortunately it meant that Williams was on the outside looking in, but that's the nature of the NFL. Now accomplishment number two, he makes an, the NFL all-time list, or at least an NFL list, in his Week 1 debut. Let me just read this to you. Philip Lindsay is just the third undrafted player in the common draft era, so that's since 1967, to total at least 100 yards and a touchdown from scrimmage in his NFL debut. So Lindsay finished that Week 1 throwdown against the Seattle Seahawks, in which the Broncos emerged victorious with 71 rushing yards, Zach, 31 receiving yards, and a touchdown – but wait, there's more because he actually also became the first undrafted player in NFL history to top 100 yards from scrimmage in each of his first two NFL games. 
this is the game that the Broncos knew they had something in him. And that first receiving touchdown, that goes back to my point about the ability that he has that is unteachable, unlearnable. You're born with it or you're not. And that talent, if he maintains that health willing, will have him enjoy you know a very healthy NFL career. But that first reception blew me away. It showed his game-breaking ability. And he was the difference in this game. And it's slowly after this, it snowballed in his favor, him getting carries, him getting carries, and it aligned with Royce Freeman's injury. But, yeah, to come out of the gates and set NFL history, the Broncos knew they had a player. And that kind of leads in here to three because I sometimes I have to remind myself that he actually got his first start. He earned his first start as a Bronco before Royce Freeman suffered that high ankle sprain, which was mm-hmm. in Week 9. So this third one is... Philip Lindsay set a new team record in his first career start. So in week eight at Kansas City, it was his first career start, brutal matchup on the road, hostile territory. But he finished the game with 95 rushing yards, which is the most in team history by a rookie in his starting debut. So that includes the likes of Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis, Orlandis Gary, Mike Anderson. And if you think back to that game, the Broncos ended up losing it by a single score, 30 to 23. They needed every ounce of help they could get offensively to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. And Lindsey, once again, was the difference maker. He was the guy that allowed the Broncos to remain competitive. Even though they still fell short, it was only by a single score, and it came down to the final possession to decide it. Again, though, if the Broncos would have won this game, which was a one-score game, he would have been the MVP of it. So again, it's a brutal matchup for him. He's a rookie player. It's a, it's a, it's a bad matchup. It's a hostile environment. And he comes out uh, potentially victorious, and he comes out with that kind of stat line. Again, it's that player that you just you have to maintain on the field at all times. You have to get the touches to, no matter who else you have on the roster. Now that comes to number four, and this one, of course, is an entire body of work for the season. But he would go on to total 1,037 rushing yards to represent the second most yards by an undrafted rookie since the 1970 NFL merger. He's just the sixth Broncos rookie to reach 1,000 yards rushing in a single season. And by the way, former Indianapolis Colt Dominic Rhodes holds the all-time undrafted rookie rushing record with just over 1,100 yards. And you know what, Zach? Had Philip Lindsay not mm-hmm. suffered that wrist injury in Week 16, there's a chance he would have broken that and been the the you know all-time leading rusher for an undrafted rookie. But it's really cool that he's one of six Broncos rookies to reach 1,000 yards in a single season. He's up there now with his name with the all-time great rookie performances at the running back position, Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis, Mike Anderson. And it's even cooler, and I wrote about this on Monday, to know that Lindsey, you know, the the optics of him contacting Terrell Davis to personally request the honor of wearing that number 30 jersey. Yeah, you know, aside from being named to the Pro Bowl or an All-Pro, cracking that 1,000-yard mark, it feels so good for a running back. It's a great title for them. And a couple years ago, so many fans and media made a big deal about C.J. Anderson getting over that hump, barely. And rightly so, it's it's a good feat. So for Philip Lindsay to do it, a rookie player right out of the gates, uh, again, it's commendable. And again, it just shows, uh, you know, just a tremendous talent that he has, just raw ability. And you're right, and you think about... C.J. Anderson, who, you know, he made some pretty monumental contributions to Broncos canon over his career, including that Super Bowl 50 year. But Super Bowl 50, that 2015 season, he wasn't even the starting running back. It was Ronnie Hillman. And it was Ronnie Hillman who actually led the team in rushing that year. Anderson became basically the guy down the stretch and into the playoffs. Once the playoffs rolled around, he was he was the starter. But even then, he didn't crack a 1,000 until his final season as a Bronco, which, of course, came in 2017. So 
for Philip Lindsay to eclipse that mark as a rookie and as an undrafted rookie at that is just insane. Now, next one here is he had, by the season's end, the third highest rushing average in all of the NFL, which was 5.4 yards per carry, which, again, if you look at his size, I mean, five foot eight, 190 pounds, he's averaging 5.4 yards per carry. He had a three-game stretch, Zach, games 10 through 12. So if you everyone can think back, that three-game winning streak the Broncos went on coming out of the bye, they got him back to 6-6, six and six, got him back into the playoff conversation, and then they just, you know, injury struck and they just unraveled. But that three-game winning streak, Phillip Lindsay was the reason. He averaged over seven yards per carry in each one of those games. It's no surprise. You, you play dominant defense and you have a killer ground game, you win ball games, no matter what coaching staff you have. And uh, Philip Lindsay was the catalyst for that. And if we, we talked about title with the 1,000-yard thing, this is what matters, production, touchdowns. And they can use him from any point on the field, in the red zone, at the goal line. Uh, as a receiver, he's just an all-around weapon. So that, to me, the double-digit touchdowns, having that production and helping the Broncos win games, that's what truly matters most. Yeah, he ended up with nine rushing and one receiving, so 10 from scrimmage. And again, this is a guy who didn't become the starter until week eight. It was basically, I mean, even though, as we've already covered, he had 100-yard games week one, week two in terms of from scrimmage, he didn't really become the starter till week eight. So you got week eight through week 16 was where the bulk of his statistical production came from. You think about that and project ahead to 2019 what could be in store if, as we, we expect, even as good as his Freeman has looked, he goes on, Lindsay to win the starting job and is given that honor, especially since he's the incumbent pro bowler at the position. You would think that gives him a leg up in terms of benefit of the doubt organizing the depth chart. But you give him a full 16-game schedule with now with the team knowing what they have exactly in him. And granted, the flip side holds true, too. The NFL now knows, and they're going to – you know, they're going to throw things at him out of the gates that they didn't start throwing at him until late in the season. But I just shudder to think what he might be able to accomplish in a full slate of 16 games as the weapon that he has become, you know, as an emerged player. And in this Scangarello offense, I think for 2019 in the short term, he'll have a little more receiving firepower. But I do believe a bulk of his touches will be vultured by Royce, or a healthy Royce Freeman this year, especially by the goal line. I do believe Scangarello will use the, the two-headed backfield. I believe that's what Fangio wants, too. So he'll have the production for sure. As long as he stays off the trainer's table, Philip Lindsay will be on the field, and he'll make the touchdowns. But in terms of him still having double digits or a certain amount, you're going to have to factor in a healthy Royce Freeman because that's the way this offense is trending for this year. All right, we got four more we want to touch on. Accomplishments, feats from Philip Lindsay in 2018 that a lot of fans don't realize he accomplished. We're going to touch on those here in just a second. First, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, so we march on to the next one. Of course, this one's pretty well known by fans, but he became the first undrafted offensive rookie ever to make the Pro Bowl. Now, other undrafted players have made the Pro Bowl, but they've either been on defense or as special teams guys, like a gunner, a punter, long snapper, etc. Philip Lindsay is the first ever to make a Pro Bowl as an undrafted offensive rookie. 
Yeah, this felt amazing, and it was so rightly deserved for him, and and you know it was such good recognition for the Broncos, especially for John Elway for finding an undrafted guy from your backyard and making him a Pro Bowler on a bad team. It just sucks that he wasn't able to participate in the actual game because of that injury, but to just for him to be there and I guess to uh, pay his way there, that was a story back then. He couldn't you know have the funds to go to Orlando, uh, but it was nice to see him there, and it's well deserved, and hopefully it's the first of many uh, Pro Bowls for Philip Lindsay. And I, I'm going to cover this because I've had some fans ask me about it, that they worry because he wasn't able to play that the Pro Bowl doesn't count on his NFL resume. Oh, it That's does. not true. He wasn't voted as an alternate. So if you're voted as an alternate like Joe Flacco in 2015, okay, he's voted as an alternate, and I think the top four guys on the Pro Bowl depth chart bowed out, which gave him an invite. He turned it down. And so because he turned it down as an alternate, it doesn't show up on his resume. Philip Lindsay was voted into the Pro Bowl, so he couldn't participate. Just like Peyton Manning, you know, didn't play in the Pro Bowl in 2013 and 2015 because, well, 2015, I don't think he earned a Pro Bowl, but 2013, he didn't because he was playing in the Super Bowl. That Pro Bowl still counts on his resume just as it does for Philip Lindsay. Yeah, and, and you know what? No matter what happens to him in his NFL career, nothing can take away what he accomplished and nothing can take away the fact that he was a pro bowler through his first 16 games or through his first NFL season. So he'll always have that, and it's it's true. It holds up no matter what. Now this next one here, he kind of co-owns with Royce Freeman, but Philip Lindsay combined with his fellow rookie, Royce Freeman, uh, became just the third rookie running back tandem since the 1970 NFL merger to each rush for five or more touchdowns. Now, to me, this actually surprised me. This Of all these feats, they're all surprising, I guess. But this one surprised me that this hadn't been accomplished more often throughout NFL NLs. Philip Lindsay finished nine rushing touchdowns, Royce Freeman five. And because of that, they're just the third running back tandem since 1970, basically, to, to accomplish that feat together. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it seems crazy on paper but maybe with the nfl going toward a a, a one-back system it's you know in the in the past in the last couple of decades it's it's kind of skewed those stats but i put this uh more so on the broncos coaching and scouting to to forge that that lightning and thunder compliment with freeman and philip Lindsay. as good as they were they contributed to it for sure i'm not taking anything away from them but uh, they had a vision, Elway, in the scouting department with these running backs, and uh, they did their homework, and they got two good players. So I got got to give them credit too. All right, two more on Philip Lindsay here. Now this one's a, it's kind of a little bit convoluted. So let me just I'll just read this one. It says Philip Lindsay, signed by the Broncos as a college free agent, is just the 18th individual to play a game at the high school, college, and NFL levels. In Colorado. Now, of course, Philip Lindsay played his college ball at the University of Colorado, where he started 30 of 51 games, finished his career as the program's all time leader in all purpose yards with just over 5,900, and yards from scrimmage, which is just over 4,800. And, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic that he went undrafted. The Broncos obviously pursued him hard after the draft as a priority free agent, but he did all that right under the Broncos' nose. Yeah, what I was going to say is it makes it more insane that he went undrafted. I mean, they, you know, with the Broncos, that's one thing, but the entire NFL looked him over, and, and to have a player with that kind of consistent production, it just screams whatever the opposite color of red flags are, that's what Philip Lindsay has shown throughout his football career. Now here's the last one, and this is one I don't think many fans know. But Philip Lindsay is the first player from the Broncos' 
future football program, which is a middle school program. He's the first player who participated in that Broncos futures football program to sign an actual NFL contract. He starred at uh, Denver's South High School before attending the University of Colorado, obviously. And during his high school career, Lindsey was selected first team All-State by the Denver Post as a junior and finished his prep career as South High School's all-time leader in rushing yards. And he, I believe, it doesn't say this in the, in the release the Broncos sent us, but I'm pretty sure he broke his father's, his dad's uh, high school record, at, the, in, at least in that uh, school district, to emerge with that all-time leading rushing yards, 4,587. Again, how did he go undrafted? He's had Broncos in his future since middle school. I just, I don't know what Elway and the department was thinking. I just gave him a compliment, but I got to kind of take it back now. What they were thinking using a seventh round pick on David Williams. But um, looking back on it, Chad, all they can really do is thank the, the football gods and thank uh, Mama Lindsay for nurturing her son towards Denver because uh, the result has been amazing. Yeah, and it's really cool. For I, I think most of you have probably gone back. At least we covered this in November when the podcast originally broke from Peter King. If you haven't listened to this, go find it. It is a very worthy listen. But he details the moments that took place basically immediately following the draft in which his phone was blowing up. He and his agent taking his cell phone call and then his agent's calls from NFL teams looking to sign him after the draft. And he was straight up pissed at the Denver Broncos. And not just because, you know, hey, I was in your futures program. I played high school here. I played college here. How come you didn't draft me again? They were in contact with him throughout the entire process, leading him on to believe he was going to be, at worst, a late-round pick. And so he was going to go to Baltimore. And then, of course, Mama Lindsay, you know, he talks about how she goes quiet all of a sudden. And (laughs) they know as a family that when this happens, you know, pay attention because mom's about to drop some pearls here. And she says, no, nah, Philip, you need to stay home. And there were a lot of, like, common sense reasons he talks about for him to stay home. For example, you know, he didn't have the money. He, he would have found a way to make it work. But had he, for example, taken the money to go play in Baltimore, he would be outside of his support system. He'd be in Baltimore. He wouldn't have the money to afford even, like, what it was it? The Broncos offered him two grand to sign, something like that. That would be the entire amount of money he would have to live on until and and if his future was decided in terms of making the 53-man roster where he would start getting game checks. And he didn't think, he wasn't sure he could have survived had he chosen to sign with Baltimore. So there were some common sense reasons, too, that his mom was like, look, stay home. You can live with us still, you know, save some money, you know. But that wasn't the only reason. She had a gut feeling, a prescient sense that his destiny was was with the Broncos. Yeah, and to the point about, you know, they made a promise to him that they would draft him or whatever he heard during that process. It happens all the time in the NFL, and uh, fortunately, things worked out and the stars aligned, and it was meant. It honestly was meant for Philip Lindsay to come back to the Broncos. But, you know, you look at it in a different scenario. If he went to Baltimore, would have formed a nice little complimentary pairing with Joe Flacco there. So, you know, just to think about what could have been in either scenario, it would have worked out for Philip Lindsay, but you couldn't have asked for a more – Hollywood type ending to end up with the Broncos end up going to a Pro Bowl and starring with them as their you know their centerpiece. It's just it's just magnificent. And even if he never really accomplished anything else in the NFL, I mean, just what he did in that rookie season was just so historic that you yep. know it's it's almost worthy. I mean, if they're going to make a movie about that dude from the Philadelphia Eagles from Mark Wahlberg, I mean, Philip Lindsay's story deserves some some accolades or some attention, I should say, from from Hollywood perhaps, but. 
you know, all this being said, Zach, we've gone through and kind of honored the contribution and accomplishments from Philip Lindsay in 2018. This kind of sets the stage for what comes next. You know, what happens next? The last couple of podcasts, we've talked a lot about the offense and Rich Scangarello and, you know, what version of Joe Flacco are we going to get and how the skill positions are teaming with talent. All that being said, what are your expectations for Philip Lindsay in 2019? Health willing. Um, I, I think realistically he'll show Pro Bowl ability. He'll always have that, but he might not have the Pro Bowl title again in 2019. And the fans are expecting him to have another breakout type season. He can only break out once. Now NFL teams have, know what he is. They have game film on him, and it works both ways too. So he's still going to bring that game-breaking ability to the table if he can get that wrist healthy. We all saw what happened with you know Shane Ray and his wrist, but um, health willing – He's, he's going to be the centerpiece of this offense, but you're going to see a lot of Royce Freeman too, a lot of Devontae Booker, and still with Flacco, with all those receiving weapons, it's going to be a balanced offense. He's not going to be the predominant workhorse. He's not going to get 30 carries a game. He might not even have a string of 100 yards, but when he gets his touches, he's going to make the most of them, and the Broncos coaching staff is going to know how to best use him. So all around, he has a positive future, but fans should keep their expectations in check because uh, I don't really see another all-pro breakout out of nowhere. I think he'll be somewhere in the middle. See, and on this, I won't say I disagree with you. I do think fans should should pump the brakes a little bit in terms of getting two out over skis and in, in their expectations for Philip Lindsay. The only thing I think he's bound for for greatness yet again in 2019. But there's one caveat, and it's been basically it was the reason he didn't get drafted. It's the reason he didn't go get an invite even to the NFL scouting combine, and that's the fact that he's only five foot eight and 190 pounds. And the way the Broncos used him last year, I think they did a good job showing restraint despite the explosive playmaking ability he brought to the table. I think they did a good job of kind of walking that razor's edge of utilizing him without going too overboard until the end of the season when they got desperate and they were trying to make the playoffs. Royce Freeman wasn't himself. Devontae Booker was chipping in. But really what it boils down to for me, Zach, is just durability. You know, he's he's just a small dude, and he's feisty, and he's powerful, and he's explosive, and he's fast, and he's all those things. I mean, he is a dynamic human being on the face of this earth, but at the same time, physical limitations exist, and that's why the NFL ultimately passed on him, all 32 teams, including the Broncos, in the draft. And I just hope that that doesn't end up being the reason things don't turn out for him, because for me, that is the only thing I can see. He's just such a dynamic human being and player that – it's only the injury bug is the only thing I could feasibly see getting in the way of him being a perennial stud for this team. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. And that you know, that's why I keep saying health willing, because it's the only thing that's going to stop Lindsay. But you, you do, I hate to be a wet blanket, but you do have to worry about that wrist healing. He's missed a lot of uh, workouts and he hasn't lifted properly. And, and, you know, there's tendons you have to worry about there. But, you know, I agree with you. He, I want to make it clear. I'm a big, as big a Philip Lindsay fan as many Broncos fans are. He has Pro Bowl ability, and he can be a Pro Bowler at any given time. I'm just saying not to expect him to be a Pro Bowler this year. I just think there's so many mouths to feed on offense now, and that injury bug will creep around. And if he gets hit again, it's just going to be a repeat of last year where the next man up, and they'll have the opportunity to uh, shine in his place. And I just think with this offense and Scangarello, with the receivers, and they brought in Flacco for a reason— um, I just wouldn't think it's going to flow directly through him. He's still going to be a centerpiece, but not the yeah. entire piece. They've just they've just got to restrain themselves from going overboard with Philip Lindsay. And as long as they can dose him correctly on the opposing defense in terms of reps and snaps and touches, 
I think they'll continue to get big bang for their buck. But uh, it's sure going to be fun to see how it all unfolds for Philip Lindsay in his second year and for the Denver Broncos. And we look forward to breaking that down for you. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We must bid adieu to my partner in crime, Zach Kellerman, who's going on himself a little vacation. The dude needs a little time away, recharging mm-hmm. batteries in preparation for what's going to be a whirlwind 2019 season. And uh, so enjoy yourself. And in the meantime, Eric Trickle is going to check in for a couple episodes later on this week. Yeah, it's it's going to be nice to have time off. I, you know, I'm going to come back like the players are refreshed and, and ready to tackle training camp. And it's it's everyone needs some time away from football, Chad. You know, you can attest to that. Everyone can attest to that. But only thing I do know is it's six months. It's been absolutely hectic from the coaching searches to everything else to where we are now. And the next six months, Broncos fans, win or lose, they're going to be fun and wild. So come July 17th, I'm buckled in. Chad's buckled in. And I hope you are, too. It's going to be great. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad N. Jensen. Don't forget to leave your creative review, five-star rating on iTunes, like, comment on YouTube, and do what you can to uh, support the show, whether it's sharing it out on social media and all that good stuff. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll be back again for a fresh episode on Thursday. Until then, be good. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.